Our Lady of Grace homilies are brought to you by a generous parishioner who encourages you to join in prayer for mission churches worldwide. Explore the Frontiers of Faith podcast for further insights into these missions. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. The Gospel of the Lord. It's that Abraham story again. The one that makes us really uncomfortable. I think that all of us probably have a very healthy fear that any chapter of the story of our life would begin like this chapter in the story of Abraham's life began. It began with these words that we heard in the first reading. God put Abraham to the test. We say, Lord, please never let me go into anything like that. Well, that's what he did. And we, we heard parts of the story. Let's, let's get the full picture of what happened. And, and just to bluntly state it, God commands Abraham to sacrifice his son. Yeah. And not just that, his only son. The son that God had promised to Abraham and his wife Sarah that they would have. The son that they had waited decades for until God finally made good on that promise in their old age. And not only that, but his beloved son, the treasure of his life. And Abraham takes the wood that would be used for the sacrifice, and he places it on the shoulders of his son. His son carried that wood that would build an altar, and then would be lit on fire to burn his son's body. And he leads Isaac, his son, up Mount Moriah, holding in his hand a knife. And after they arrive on top of the mountain, he informs his child that there was not an animal that was going to be sacrificed. That he, Isaac, was the sacrifice. Now, let's pause for a second. Some background information is really helpful here. I want you to imagine this scene of Abraham and Isaac climbing the mountain. A lot of times our imaginations are ruined by screens, and so really try to do this. Imagine this in your, in your imagination. Do you see them? Okay, as you watch them climb that mountain, Abraham with that knife in his hand and a torch, Isaac carrying all of that wood, pause the scene. Look at Isaac and answer this question to yourself. How old is he? Most people imagine this scene and they see Isaac as a boy of about 10 or 12 years old. That's probably what almost everyone in the church would say. And they think that what's going on here is that Abraham is going to forcibly bind his little boy and sacrifice him on that altar against his will. But listen, that's not true. At this point in the story, do you know how old Isaac is? He's in his mid-30s. He's a grown man. And at this point in the story, do you know how old Abraham is? He's about 100 years old. Now, I would like to find the oldest person in church today and bring them up here, and you and I are going to have a wrestling match. <laughs> who do you think is going to win? You're gonna put, who are you going to put, are you gonna put money on? Well, hopefully you don't have such a low opinion of me that you put it on the 100-year-old. But a 100-year-old man cannot bind a man in his 30s, load him onto an altar, and sacrifice him all against his will. 
What does that tell us? It tells us that Isaac was a willing sacrifice. He was part of it. He and his father agreed this is what was going to happen. And that points to the beauty of the story because the purpose of this story in the Bible is not to be a story about Isaac and Abraham. It's given to us because it points forward to another son and his father. It points forward to Jesus, who is also an only son, the only begotten son of God. He's also the beloved son of the father. And he also joins his will to his father's will. And he takes a load of wood on his shoulders and he walks up a mountain. And he's laid down on that wood and he's sacrificed. Do you see the parallels? Isn't it amazing? He gives his life as a willing sacrifice, just like Isaac was willing to do. But in Genesis, of course, God, as we heard, spared Isaac. But in the second reading, St. Paul tells us, but God the Father didn't spare his own son. He handed him over for you, for me. That's the Father's love. The story of Abraham and Isaac is a story that points to the incredible love of God. And let's take this into our own lives a little bit. How does this strike us? How does it filter into our daily living? Here's the uncomfortable reality that I think Lent calls us to remember. The uncomfortable reality that every one of us is supposed to remember during Lent is that we have been called to learn to love like God. To love like that. That the Lord calls each of us to be like Isaac and to be like Jesus. To become a willing sacrifice, ready to give him everything. Think of the words of our Lord in the gospel. It's easy to brush these words aside. Listen to them. If anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and then follow me. Again, if anyone loves his father or his mother more than me, he's not worthy of me. He can't be my disciple. Again, if you would find your life, you must lose it. Again, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains one single grain of wheat. But if it dies, then it will bear fruit. God has given us everything that he has, all of his love, and what he asks in return is everything. Everything. In the Gospel of Mark, before the Gospel that we heard today, Jesus had just explained this reality to his apostles. And as you can imagine, it was the first time they heard about this, that they have to die in order to be his disciple, and and they were shocked. They were terrified, and Jesus knows that they're shocked and they're terrified. And so what he decides to do is he takes three of his closest friends, his three closest apostles, and he takes them up another mountain. And there on that mountain, he shows them who he really is in all of his transfigured glory. I did not plan for the sun to be shining on me like it is right now as I'm talking about the transfiguration. But he shows them his glory on top of that mountain in order to show them what will happen if they give him everything, if they give him their entire life and follow him. He shows them a promise that on the other side of every sacrifice is the resurrection. 
That on every side, on, on the other side of every gift of self is the glory of God that we share in. And so the church takes us up the mountain every second Sunday of Lent and we hear the story of the transfiguration to remind us of that same thing. That God, yes, demands everything. Like he demanded everything from, from uh, Abraham, like he demanded everything from Jesus. He made Abraham go up Mount Moriah to give him everything. He made Jesus go up Mount Calvary to give him everything. But he says to us, if we give him everything, then it will open our souls to experience the glory of Christ's new life. So here's what I want to ask you today. What is it that God is calling you to take up the mountain and sacrifice? I'm not talking about your sins. I'm talking about even good things. Abraham was asked to sacrifice his son. What is the good thing in your life that God's asking you to give him? He calls you to give him everything. What is it that surrendering to him will lead to a new relationship? What is that precious thing that he wants you to surrender? <clears throat> Let me come up with a few examples for you. I think sometimes the things that God calls us to give up that are good are shocking to us. One example Maybe he's calling you to surrender your hyper-focus on your health. Now, our health is really important, but we live in a culture in which we are so focused on health that our entire life becomes about our blood pressure or the number of times that we're exercising every week or our weight or the number of steps that we have tracked today or our charts or our diet or our doctor's appointments, or our sleep score. And that preoccupation with health eclipses everything for so many people. It eclipses everything that gives life real meaning and value, like sacrificing something to love and serve God, sacrificing something to love and serve our neighbor. No, I can't do it. I'm too busy taking care of myself, my own self-care. Maybe that's what God's calling you to take up the mountain and sacrifice. Maybe what he's calling you to sacrifice are some of the activities that your children are involved in. And I'll name especially sports. I think parents have a great fear within our culture that if they don't let their kids participate in every activity that they want, if they don't fill their children's schedules with something at every single moment, then you are ruining their possibility of success for the future. If you don't utilize every minute of free time that your children have, then they're not going to amount to what they could be. And as a result, the lives of so many families are chaos. And there's no time for the family itself to spend together. And there certainly is no time for God. Maybe some of those, some of those sports or some of those activities are what you're taking up the mountain to give God. It might be what I like to call collecting experiences. Again, in our culture, we have this felt need always to be doing something new, to try that new restaurant, to see the new movie, to take that dream vacation so you can post pictures about it on social media, to eat the Wagyu burger, to hunt the elk, to own the newest gadget. And our life just becomes this search for some experience that will finally make us happy. And we forget 
God's already searching for us. There's so many other things I could, I could list off here. Our inordinate attachment to our free time, our recreation, the apps on our phone, our hobbies, that TV series that we're hooked on. All these things that in, in and of themselves are not wrong, they're not sinful, but they consume our lives, they consume our time, they consume our heart. And God calls us to make a willing sacrifice of those things. What is that good thing that God's calling you to sacrifice? I'm going to end with one final question here. As Jesus was coming down from the mountain of transfiguration, he told Peter, James, and John to keep the transfiguration quiet until he rose from the dead. St. Mark has an editorial comment that they were confused. They wondered what rising from the dead meant. And that's the question for us, too. God promises that on the flip side of every sacrifice that we make is the resurrection. And so, the question, if I sacrifice this thing to Jesus, what will the resurrection that follows look like? What does it mean to rise from the dead? How will my life change for the better? And how is it that making this sacrifice will also make me share in the glory of God and in the fullness of life that only comes through surrendering everything to him.